Denizens of the night, welcome to another episode of the macabre, the terrifying. Broadcasting live from an open casket, I will be your guide through the witching hours. Tonight, we'll meet an unlucky survivor whose lust for love and attention costs him the ultimate price. Keep those eyes glued to the screen. This story is called Attention, written by Michael James. Scott was in bed with another woman the night his girlfriend died. She'd gone out for snacks, and a drunk driver running a light hit her car. He liked to think she didn't suffer, but he had no way of knowing. Little remained of her body. No one blamed him directly, although he recognized a certain coldness from her friends and family in the days leading to the funeral. While he was certain his indiscretion had gone undetected, he had a reputation. It's easy to be faithful without options, he'd said in the past. You take those so-called faithful, make them a couple points more attractive, then see how they do. Lack of choice isn't the same thing as morals. Scott loved being loved. That was the problem. Late at night, when the house was quiet and the only sounds left were the grinding in his brain, he'd wonder how badly broken he was and if any amount of attention could fill him. But then dawn would break, he'd see himself in the mirror, and he'd smile. The funeral was exhausting and awkward. He was unfaithful, but he wasn't unhuman. He'd loved his girlfriend, and the tears he shed for her were genuine. Some of her friends were softened by the sight, and a cousin whispered she'd love to take him to dinner. For comfort. It was impossible not to react. His girlfriend's grandmother took him aside to speak with him privately. She was a stately woman, stern and buttoned, with tight hair and thin lips. He recalled she was from Canada. This must be hard. She was of a height with him, and he found himself slouching under her presence. For both of us, ma'am. He attempted to convey weary maturity. Her lips, already sliver-thin, retreated further. I've heard stories about you, Scott. All good, I hope. The line and the smile came out on instinct before he could call it back. Not quite. She brushed a single finger against his cheek. I hope you continue to get the... Attention, you seem to enjoy. Good day. Nothing about the way she'd said the word attention worked for him. The pause, the way her dark eyes flickered, the way his cheek burned where she'd touched him. The next few days were a tornado of deconstructing a shared life. Things to go here, other things to go there... Boxes filled and shipped to weeping parents. Evenings spent drunk where the remorse got so bad he thought an actual whirlpool had opened in his stomach. An endless sucking that turned him inside out 
unfolded him. A night with the cousin, her want of him, brought some small relief. She stared at him the whole time, and he drank her desire. On the day he returned to work, he noticed people looking at him as he waited in line for coffee. A man at the counter added milk to his beverage. His eyes latched completely onto Scott. Milk poured over the side of the cup. Another woman sat in front of a laptop, a video playing, staring. There was no desire in those looks, only blank nothing. He gave them sideways glances, trying to understand. Perhaps they mistook him for someone else? These weren't the sorts of looks he was used to. Uncomfortable, he kept his head down when he placed his order. At the office, a few co-workers offered him muted condolences, which he accepted with noble aplomb. He worked for a smaller company with only about 20 employees in an open-concept space. To his surprise, he found some comfort in the routine, and he tried to focus on the meaningless series of clerical tasks that had gathered in his absence. After an hour, he realized the only sound was his heavy clicking on the keyboard. A light tickle of heat on his cheek made him scratch, and when he stopped typing, there was no sound left at all. Everyone was staring at him. A dozen sets of eyes gazed at him with heavy-lidded sluggishness, their gaze neither threatening nor excited. Their gaze simply was. He looked around to see if there was something behind him, but the only thing at his back was more staring. His desk neighbor, Glinda, regarded him with heavy-lidded, vacant eyes. He tried to laugh. What? No one responded. They didn't move. He turned his head, trying to see all of them. What are you all looking at? What is this? Stop. He waved his hands, and the spell was broken. It was like turning on a bunch of robots in those animatronic bands that played at children's restaurants. The sounds of the office returned, phones ringing, keyboards clacking, paper shuffling. Glinda was leaning over her computer, typing intently, and he said to her, Why were you staring at me? Sorry? She looked up, but this time her gaze was normal. Just two people talking and making eye contact as a result. You were all looking at me. Mm, I've been working. He rubbed his face. I need to get out of here. You don't look so good, Glenda confirmed, much to his irritation. He took the rest of the day off and didn't look up on the way home. He thought he felt the prickle eyes on his neck and shoulders, but never once let his eyes leave the ground to confirm. The only detour he made was to the liquor store, where he was the only customer. The clerk barely glanced at him. Scott suspected he needed a nice rest. A couple drinks, some TV, maybe another call to the cousin? He'd had a rough week, no question. Nerves. That's all this was. 
Scott had no patience to learn new TV shows and preferred reruns where he could let his mind drift. After three generous swigs right from the bottle, in recognition of his very difficult week, he poured himself a full glass and settled on the couch. The liquor got to work almost immediately, blushing his nose and dulling his thoughts. He giggled for how silly he'd been. On the TV, the characters were swapping jokes that weren't funny and insulting each other in ways that would ruin actual friendships if ever uttered in real life. The laugh track let him know it was okay to enjoy this, so he chuckled along. One character was in mid-sentence when he stopped and looked at the camera. The laugh track cut out, and there was only silence. He took a step towards the camera, staring at it, staring at him. The rest of the actors did the same. Scott couldn't breathe, couldn't take his eyes from the screen. They were looking at him on the TV, not doing anything, just staring. A small whimper fell from Scott's lips. With a scream, he threw his glass at the TV where it shattered the screen. He drank the rest of the whiskey straight from the bottle. The next morning, he called in sick. And the morning after that. He didn't get his TV fixed or go on YouTube. He kept his blinds drawn. His cheek burned, and he didn't know if it was his imagination. At some point, he realized he'd need to leave the apartment. If nothing else, he was out of liquor having existed on almost nothing else for the past two days. He suspected he was experiencing funeral-related stress. He researched the phenomenon on sites that did not have any embedded videos. Sure, this was a somewhat bizarre demonstration of anxiety, but for certain, that's all it was. Stress and guilt and loneliness. Perfectly natural to feel this way. And he did miss his girlfriend, quite desperately. On a whim, he pulled out their old photo albums. She loved retro things like records and pictures, and had their digital photos converted to actual photographs. He flipped through the pages, smiling without realizing it. Here was their first date, a selfie taken where they were both caught in breathless laughter. Another one where she was dancing at a club, caught in an easygoing moment of happiness. Oh, and this one, taken on their trip to Montreal. It was from the back as she ran towards a street performer playing drums. As he lost himself in the memory of that day, a movement caught his eye. In the picture, the street performer was staring at him. No. He could barely force the word out. Was the picture always like that? It must have been. Sure it was. There was no other explanation. No other... His girlfriend's head, always facing away from him, turned. She stared at him. He couldn't make his neck work. The muscles strained so hard he thought he might snap something. His teeth ground together, and the only noise he could make was a desperate grunting. <laughs> Two days' worth of liquor pumped from his stomach, spraying across the carpet, burning his throat. 
he screamed and threw the book across the room. Drugs. That's what he needed. Drugs. Booze wasn't going to do the trick. His brain was malfunctioning, and he needed a hard reboot. Valium or lithium or something ending in an eum. Maybe all of them. He didn't care. His friend, Danny, was a complete disaster and always had some prescription drugs on hand. Practically a walking pharmacy. A few frantic texts later, and Danny agreed to give him something. All he'd need to do was get there to leave the house. He could do this. Danny lived across town, but Scott could take a cab or something and stare at the concrete. No problem at all. Once he was outside, he realized he'd need to raise his head at some point to flag down a car. Not even realizing he was whimpering, he lifted his chin and almost wept with relief. No one was looking at him. People were walking down the street, heads in their phones going about their business, completely ignoring him. One girl did sort of glance at him, but it was a normal look of disgust, probably because he reeked of booze and was covered in his own vomit. But he could handle that. He'd need to get to the main road to flag down a ride, and the fastest way was through the park. There was some kind of festival going on, with jugglers and food booths and crowds of people laughing and making noise and not paying a stitch of attention to him. Whatever was going on, maybe he'd already fixed it himself. Maybe it... The world stopped. Noise stopped. Traffic stopped. Scott stopped. Every single person in the park stared at him. Hundreds. All turned towards him. Children. Pets. Parents. Christ. A baby in a stroller was staring at him. What the fuck do you want? He screamed, spinning in a circle. No one answered. No one moved. They stared, swaying with statuesque silence. He lashed out and punched the nearest person in the face. A woman. She fell to the ground and didn't take her eyes off him. He hit the man beside her and felt something crack in his knuckle. With a howl of pain, he stuck his fist in his mouth. Stop staring at me! Why are you doing this? Hundreds of dull-lidded eyes had nothing to say and continued to say it. Scott screamed and pushed his way through the crowd, sick at having to touch these people but needing to get away. His flight did nothing to interrupt the spell. As he shoved through, they all stared. He burst on to the main street. None of the cars were moving. The drivers had all stopped and were facing him. Everyone on the sidewalk was staring at him. Above the street, people filled the windows, looking down on him. Judging him. I'm sorry, he whispered. I don't know why I'm like this. But that was a lie, wasn't it? He did know. After all, he loved to be loved. It wasn't enough to have it from one person. He needed it from everyone. 
to fill the chasm. Only he understood the truth of himself now. It would never be filled. No matter how many people looked at him, told him he was pretty, gave him their regard, the chasm would demand more. The whole world was staring at him now, and it still wasn't enough. Somehow, still not enough. But he could stop them from looking. The bridge was only three blocks away, and he was tired of the attention. I think we're all a little mad for attention these days, don't you? People will do anything for it, myself included. Lately, I've been thinking of starting a Bonely Fans account. <laughs> if you liked this story, please check out the author's other work in the links below. Don't forget to like this video and hit the subscribe button. And remember, don't fall asleep.